0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. See, I don't know about you, but there's there's many times in my life um, that I felt alone. And maybe even some of you coming in here tonight you've come in here and you feel you're surrounded by people, but you feel alone. Because you can actually be surrounded by crowds of people, but inside you feel isolated and you're, you just feel lonely. And it's so important that we don't settle for that. That is not the way God has designed us. God has never designed us to be isolated or alone. And so no one never stands alone. Some of the hardest moments in our life are lonely. Or or maybe you're going through something and you feel like nobody else understands, and so because of that, you feel alone. No one else is going through the same exact scenario you've went through. It feels unique. It feels raw, and you just feel left out a little bit. And so some of us have went through school. We've experienced exactly like that. We felt alone, isolated, People didn't maybe connect with you the same way they connect with others. Well, we want to deal with that. We don't want to just let that haunt us and direct us the rest of our life. That is a, a terrible umpire. That kind of situation is a terrible umpire to guide you the rest of your life. We want to be guided by something which is better than that, even something you could call the Holy Spirit, something which is fully in love, someone who's fully in love with us and has great plans for us. And if we trust Him, we'll bring those plans to pass. Can I get an amen? So, so we would all agree that we're created for connection with God and with others. Some of us mightn't, some of us do, but, but I believe we're all created for connection with God and with others. Um, and really, God's design for the church was exactly that. He didn't… So I've heard some of my friends say, I have a private faith. Meaning, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell anyone I'm a Christian. It's private. And actually, if you read the Scriptures, it was never supposed to be private. The church was never supposed to be private. It was always supposed to be public. And it's made up of humans. It's made up of you and me. That was God's design. It's God's plan. It's God's best. It's how we see people flourish. It's how we see each other flourish. God has got a way of doing things and it works if we apply it. It actually says in Ephesians 2 and 19 that you're no longer strangers or outsiders. He's speaking to the people, the author's speaking to the people who once were not connected to God's people. He said, no, now you're no longer strangers. Now you're welcome. No matter where you came from or when you came, you're at home. If you're in Christ you can be a part of the body. It doesn't matter if you've been here five years or five weeks or five days. You're of equal value and you have an equal right to be a part of the body of Christ. There's no levels of of merit. Because here's the reality, none of us are here on our performance or here on merit. Jesus is the chief cornerstone and he makes the rules. And so we're all standing upon him. And he validates us being here a part of the church. And so before we go any further, I just want to pray. Today's message is called Fight the Drift. Fight the Drift. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you have design. And God, we have been called to be a part of your design, of your church. And God, we just thank you that, God, you're going to speak to us and many people in many different ways. Help me, guide me as I try to speak your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So I'm just back from holidays in Florida. Has anyone ever been to Florida? Hands up. Who's been to Florida? America. Who's been to America? America. Right Great. So if any of you understand uh, where Florida is, it's on the south of America, the southeast. And it's nearly like an island that kind of sticks out. And because it's like that, it's surrounded by beaches. And so my, my wife, Anna, has never been to Florida, never been to America. So, and she's one of these people you go and haul this with that just wants to visit everything. And I'm the kind of person, I just want to find a pool and stay there. And so it ended up, we ended up visiting everything well, kind of, <laughs> and so we went to Orlando, done Disney, Ugh. done all the, I actually just let Anna go on the rides, and I just waited, <laughs> sweated, and then the next thing after that, we left Orlando and just went for beaches, beach after beach after beach, went to Miami, went to the Keys, a bit of a snorkeling, went to Sarasota, and then went to Jacksonville, they all had beaches, the, be- the beautiful, most beautiful beach was Sarah, uh, Siesta Beach, which is supposed to be the most beautiful beach in the country. But anyhow, at Siesta Beach, we've, we wanted comfort on the beach, and I was like, let's go to Walmart and get a lilo. And it was one of these wee lilos that, that was like it was kind of like, it nearly wraps you to the shape of the ocean. So if there's waves, it just kind of floats over, and it's kind of fl- one of these wee flexible comforter-type lilos, top-notch. So anyhow, I'm living the dream in this clear water, white-sanded beach. Uh, You know, we've we've parked up, we've got our towels down, we've got our little um, umbrella up, and I can see my wife, and she's just sitting there reading her book, and I'm I'm in the water just thinking about absolutely nothing. In my nothing box, you know men have a nothing box, where nothing happens in that box. No? Men, give me an MN or something. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm just relaxing, enjoying myself I just want to rest, that's my goal and just think about, and just enjoy the water and, and the white sand and just relaxation and not thinking about anything stressful and before I know it it's you know, maybe 10 minutes 15 minutes has passed by and I look out just the same way I did before and I can't see my wife and I can't see her reading the book and I'm wondering has she left me has she moved? Has she took the car and ran? I don't know what's happened. I then figured out after a few moments that I had drifted. That, that the ocean and, it's not, and, and me and my natural habitat on the water, I had naturally drifted because of the current. And so I had a decision to make, and I started to realize, in order for me to keep in line, to stay attached, to stay in, in vision, with where my wife was situated so we didn't disconnect and get lost or anything happened or if someone came and I couldn't protect her and be the man that she wants me to be, I had to fight the drift. I had to either keep paddling a little bit every so often just to keep myself aligned or if I went too far, it, it would take too long. I actually, there was one time I had to literally get out of the water and walk back up the beach because I drifted so far. And you see, the reality is, each one of us, if we're not careful, we will drift. In your marriage, if you're not aware of where you're at and you're just looking for comfort and you're never discerning where your heart's at and where your thoughts are at and where your messages are at and where your programs are at and where your time's at, before you know it, you might have drifted from your husband, or from your wife. Not intentionally. You didn't plan it. You didn't try it. It's it's natural to humanity for us to drift. Maybe the same applies in your church, in your your relationship with God. All of a sudden, you're just, I can't be bothered praying today. I can't be bothered going to church today. I can't be bothered going to group today. I can't be bothered uh, being connected today. I can't be bothered uh, being vulnerable today. And all of a sudden, just through comfort, through not being intentional, the next time you look up, something has shifted, you've drifted away into a place which is not good or healthy. It's not going to help you to flourish. It's not going to help you to succeed. And this can happen in all areas of our life. Come on, any, anyone go to the gym, you're trying to get fit, trying to work out, trying to maintain, <laughs> just maintain. And, and one night, uh, I'll just stand tonight. I'll just put a pizza on. Come on, Chloe, you love a pizza. Chloe loves the pizza. She promotes pizza on Instagram most nights of the week. But you know, it's how easy. That's so easy. It's so enjoyable just lying on the Lilo. But before you know it, you haven't been to the gym in three months. And you're not as healthy. You don't feel as good. You don't feel as fresh as you once did. And so we have to fight the drift. You see, watch this. This is a key statement. We're created for connection, but we always drift towards isolation. We know we're created to connect to God, hopefully, and to connect to people, but we always seem to drift towards isolation. Because sometimes, if we're honest, vulnerability can be hard. Relationship can be hard work. Showing up to the gym or whatever it is in your life can take discipline and hard work. So for me, staying aligned with my wife in, in a place where we can stay together in one accord, <clears throat> it took me to have, be conscious of where she is, to have a little look. And the reality is what I, found, what I found out when I was lying on the water on the lilo is if I just do regular small checkups, paddles to the left, then I can actually stay in line quite easily. If I just keep showing up, having a little look, just regularly but in small bouts, then it doesn't take much effort. The effort comes is when I leave distance, when I leave time, when I switch off for too long, all of a sudden my heart can shift. In my relationships, if I don't check my heart, if I don't have conversations that are real and open with my wife, then all of a sudden... I find myself, there's bitterness growing naturally. Don't give me an amen, but I know you're saying it inside. There's unforgiveness growing naturally. There's isolation growing naturally. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? amen? There we go. Dear me. And so, isolation is dangerous. Have you, have you ever watched the Disney Channel, and you've seen the lions, and, and you start to realize that lions actually are always looking for food, looking for, for buffaloes or something like that, you see them chasing their prey, and a lot of the times they don't get their prey. <clears throat> a lot of the times they don't actually succeed, they have to keep trying. Because some, the buffaloes are big, they, 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 go, they, they operate in packs, and sometimes they just overcome the lions, that there's massive herds of them, and they just, the lions can't overcome them, and then the lion realizes, <clears throat> we're actually chasing this herd to try and isolate the weak. <clears throat> Where's Anna? Someone get me a cup, oh actually, pass me a cup please. I was prepared today. Thank you. I need to, get, I need to stop getting too excited. Thank you. <laughs> that's, my, that's my wife. <laughs> Clapping. And so, what we see with the lions is the lions begin to realize it's the isolated animal prey that they're chasing. Why? Because they're vulnerable, because they're weak. Because they're easy. And if we're not careful, if we don't fight the drift, if we don't pay attention to our soul and to our rhythms and to where we're lying and where we're spending our time and what we're watching, what we're looking at, before we know it, we become isolated, and that's a dangerous place to be. You're vulnerable. You're susceptible to weakness. That's where you make mistakes mistakes which will change the course of your life for the worse. And so we're created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. So I'm just skipping a few here. So there's three thoughts I have for you tonight which will hopefully help with this I want want to base it off the foundation that the most important connection you'll ever have in your life, I believe, is your connection with God. Because when you have a connection with God, you never stand alone. When people fail you, you never stand alone. When people don't understand your situation, you never stand alone. Because God is ever present. In the darkest nights, in the heaviest weights, in the most confusing problems, God is always there. And so that is our anchor on which we build. That is the cornerstone on which we stand, but it's, it's not where we finish. That stabilizes us in a storm, but the storms do not last forever. And so we're going to build on that. So the f- first things first, and I, I want to tell a little story here uh, that we see in the Scriptures, is we've got to remember, first thing, we've got to remember that God is faithful. Another way you could put that is that everybody needs God. A a story within the Scripture we see at the very core of the the Old Testament is is the children of Israel. The children of Israel were God's chosen people. And they were stuck in Egypt for for a long period of time to the point where they were in slavery. And they were being ill-treated and they were being mistreated. And they were crying out to God, God, are you not going to do something? This is dysfunctional. This doesn't seem like it's your best. And God heard them. And he then went and, and sent Moses, left Egypt, was in a field. God sent him back to free his people. And here they are. They entered into the desert for 40 years doing loops. And sometimes we can criticize the Israelites for being dysfunctional because the journey was only supposed to be 11 days. It says that in the Scriptures. It took them 40 years. And we can be so kind of judgmental and hard on these guys, but if we're honest, if you're honest with yourself, a lot of the times we do the same. We we repent before God like they did, we stay kind of steady for a while, and then we fall back into the same habits and routines, but we've moved forward a little bit, just not very much. And then we repent and realize we can't do it our own way, God's way is best, I need God again and we take a step forward and then we fall and we stumble and we fall and we get back up this is what happened for 40 years but they made it but it just took longer than it should have and so now Moses is dead and they still haven't made the destination the promised land and the mantle has now been passed on to this guy jo- Joshua and here Joshua is trying to get them into the promised land and and, and he's learned he's standing on the shoulders of giants Moses They've journeyed, they've learned, they've tried to get rid of the slavery mentality that they had in Egypt, and they're about to cross the river into the land that God had promised them and to their forefathers. And so they get across, God opens the river, they walk through dry ground, and watch this, this is really important that we get this. Is that they say, when they get over, they say, you know what, we need to go and get 12 stones from the middle of the river. And they're, they're like, why? Because we need to remember let me read the scripture here real quick. In Joshua 4 and 21 to 24, it says, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, what's this? Your children will ask. See, the next generation are going to ask, what did God do in your generation? And so if we're not faithful now, we have nothing to show. It says, what do these stones mean? 22. Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan On on dry ground. And so we must always remember. See, there's some, as much as yes, there's an Egypt in your life, there's giants in your life, there's dysfunction in your life, and there's been areas in your life you're wondering where is God when I was getting abused? Where was God when my relationship fell apart? Where was God when I was depressed? Where was God? Some of us have had those moments, maybe are in those moments. And listen, the Israelites had those moments too. Where, God, where are you? We're enslaved here in Egypt. Where are you? This doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem fair. They were, in the, they were in the wilderness and they were struggling to trust God in the wilderness. God, where are you? God was always there. But they just struggled to trust him. And so they're trying to break the cycle for the next generation and say, hey, let's build something that's a monument that we need to remember that God is faithful, that God was there all along, that God did move. Why? Because we forget. We forget. And we get relaxed and we lie back on our lilo and before we know it, know it, we forgot that God is faithful. And we, when we forget that God is faithful, we start acting like He isn't. And when we start acting like He isn't, then we fall into sin. And when we fall into sin, we fall into mess and breakdown. And then all of a sudden, we're back like the Israelites do in a circle. And so we, this is a way to break the cycle, is to remember that God is faithful. Can I get an amen? This is why we share stories. You know, some of you might be wondering, you've seen online, we share life stories as regular as we possibly can. We're going to record a few more in the upcoming weeks. Why? So people can remember that God has been faithful in these people's lives years ago with some of them, and they're still on course and they're still on a journey, and they're still growing, but God was faithful to break chains of addiction in Ke- Keelan's life. That was the last one we done. <clears throat> Why do we take communion? To remember. God is faithful. Everybody needs God. Without Him, we, we have no answers to the origin of where we came from and where we're going. It's with the core need of our human needs. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. He's faithful. He's faithful. So everybody needs God. Number two, everybody needs somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, Everybody needs somebody. Everyone needs, I'll do it with you, Ian. Everyone needs somebody. Everyone needs somebody. You see, your, your doubts do not disqualify you. They make you human. Sometimes, listen, some of you, especially if you're young in faith, <clears throat> you can get maybe messed up in your head about how, oh, I'm not sure I believe enough today. <laughs> or you have doubts one day and not the next and there's reasons for that and you just don't understand everything and the next thing, I'm not sure. And, but they don't disqualify you. You know the reason you have doubts is because you believe. If you didn't believe, you've nothing to doubt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But because you believe, doubts appear. Why? Because you can't see it. And often, I'll be honest with you, when I have a doubt, it's usually because I'm disconnected. I've drifted away from the presence of God. I haven't experienced His presence, and so therefore, have you ever not spoken to a friend in a few years and you wonder if we meet up for this coffee, is it going to be the same? Or is it going to be like weird and we've all moved on and we don't have anything in common? Because we've drifted. But when you get back into the presence of one of those good friends that you just pick up where you left off, then you're like, whoa, I had just drifted. I just had to get back out and be intentional to meet up again, and we're back where we were. Confidence begins. It's the same with faith. Remembering that God is faithful, getting into His presence. Confidence comes back. The doubts begin to leave. And so it's just a case, the doubts are just an indicator to help you, right, I need to get back into prayer, back into presence, back into church, back into group, back into community. See, the difference between where you are now and where God wants you to be often depends on having the right people in your life. So often, as a youth uh, pastor, and when I was involved in in helping with youth, we used to tell them this thing, this one statement, tell me your friends, or sorry, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Why? Because it's true. Tell you a story, when I was younger, But when I was 18, just going to uni in Belfast, doing sports science, I really just played football and and volleyball and rugby and a bit of Gaelic for Keelan. Um, Done a wee coaching course in that too. And, yeah, I, I had no clue about weights, doing bench press and squat racks and didn't have a clue about cleaning jerks and all these things. But then I ended up... Staying in a house um, in Belfast as we were studying there, with a bunch of lads who did, especially one. There's one in particular, obsessed. His dad was obsessed with it. He was obsessed with it, and you know we did not have a normal student house. Most students' houses would have Netflix, they'd have big TVs. They would just be it would be there for socialising. We had no TV. Burley had a sofa. All we had was a bench press and a pull-up bar. That's, he, that's all he wanted. And I was just going with the flow. I'm pr- pretty chill. I was like, whatever. Um, I've got my computer upstairs. I'll be fine if I need to watch something. And all of a sudden, he, he started going to the gym a few times a week. And I'm like, I've got to keep up here. I'm supposed to be a sports scientist. Um, so I started going to the gym. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was doing three, three days a week, doing the bench press, doing weights, doing pull-ups, doing squats. And then all of a sudden, he was like taking his top off and just, 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 I'm still trying to catch up. See him at the weekend, playing football. he's still the same. And what I found is he influenced me. I became more aware of things that I didn't really care about before, but it helped me to get healthier, to get fitter. He would eat a lot cleaner than I did. I loved a good Chinese. And he just liked quinoa and... Salmon and protein shakes. don't even know if they're healthy. And so because of that, I changed. I became better. I became stronger. I became fitter. Why? Because of who I was around. And the same applies with your faith. We all, everybody needs God, but we all need somebody. Why? Because who you're with determines where you're going. So the question is, who are you with? Who are you spending time with? And I don't just mean associating with them. Time. Direction. Vulnerability. If you get the wrong people, you're going to get the wrong results. You get the right people. You'll not just get the right results, you'll get the right direction in your life. It's funny, in community, in kind of any kind of human interaction, no matter where you go, people like-minded people hang about. Have you ever heard that saying, birds of a feather flock together? Meaning, in practical terms, if you want to find where all the gossips are, go find one and see who they're hanging out with. They have meetings for gossip. Did you know that? There's coffee meetings for gossip all around the town most days of the week. If you want to find someone that loves a group of artists, go find one person that loves art and find out who they're hanging out with. If you want to find someone that loves coffee and wants to talk about all the different types of cappuccinos and lattes, and go to a coffee shop where all those people love to hang out and chat and see who they're hanging out with. Why? Because we gravitate Towards those people, not just who we are like-minded with, watch this, the people who are going in the same direction as us. So as much as you think you're going to reach that person and you're going to, you know, you can still keep certain people on the side, can you? Are they helping your direction? Are they helping you move in the direction you feel God has called you to move? Sometimes your breakthrough isn't a, a always just a prayer away, it's a person away. I remember somebody telling me this, that, and it was more from a business mindset of, of every problem is one person away from being fixed. They were just talking about practicalities, you know, whether you needed something literally fixed in your house, there's one person, you're one person away. M- maybe that same thing applies with your emotions. Maybe you're one counselor away from being healed emotionally. Maybe you're one person away from being eternally forgiven. Two. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 7, we're going to finish soon, the words of the wise are like weapons of knowledge. If you need wise counsel, stay Away from the fool. (laughs) Just run. Some of you need to run. Block. Cut off. Some toxic situations some of us have found ourselves in, maybe in the past, in the present, maybe in the future. You see, when it gets to that stage, it's time to run. It's time to block. It's time to cut off. I'm not talking you, I'm not talking about cursing someone. I'm not talking about being nasty. I'm talking about boundaries. I'm talking about putting health back into your life and starting to go the right direction. So here's three ways that could help you to move forward in fighting the drift. Number one, this is an option. You don't have to do this. This is an option you could start to serve. You could start to serve. Why? Because when people serve together, there's a common interest and you can just hang about a bit and get to know people. If you want to go... With people on a faith journey and following Christ and getting your life looking like what Christ would love it to look like, you might need to come to church a little bit more often. You might need to meet up with some people who are like-minded. A great way to do that is to start serving. Just welcome, say hello to people. Get a coffee, say hello, hang out with your team. It's one of the best ways of getting to know people. Sometimes you just come to church and it's just on the surface. That's going to take forever having, what, Surface chats every week for how long before you go deeper? It's not happening, let's be honest. If you want to go deeper and you want to make real friendships, you can't do it just coming in and smiling and bye-bye, have a bit of banter, but it's, you're not making friendships. You're not, it's not really going to give you what you need. Can I get an amen from the people that serve? Oh, Secondly, you could get in a group. You could get in a group. What is a group? Just a few people that get together with a common interest. We have a, a, a football group meets every Monday. Real simple, but people now know each other. There's friendships that bonded. What through what? Kicking a football. And so, if anything goes wrong in someone's life, they've got some people they know by name. If they come to church, they already know ten people that come to church. Get in a group get to know some people. It could be a study group. It could be we, we ran a, a group in our house just to serve people, to help people. And what it actually done for us is it encouraged us as we served others. Sometimes I thought even when we were kind of starting a group, sometimes the initial reaction is, oh man, I don't know if I've got the energy. I actually became energized by, by doing the group. Organi- and it actually helped us to clean our house what a benefit. That's where half the fights come from. Phil, you haven't done the dishes, but when the group's on, the dishes are done. God knows what. God knows how to keep things healthy. It's it's mad how God, as we do the opposite of what sometimes our selfish self would say, He begins to open doors, but it looks like showing up. It looks like being vulnerable, trying to find your fit. And listen, let me, let me give a disclaimer. Not every group is the right group for you. Guess what? It, you might go to a group and you mightn't like the people very much. Not because they're bad people, because you just don't have the same interests. And it's okay. Can I give you the license to move to the next group? And just say, uh, you don't even have to say anything. I'm telling our leaders, let people go if they want to go and finish on time because that's probably why they're leaving in the first place. <laughs> no one's been there where like, they just won't stop the group. I'm like, I'm up for I, I've got kids at home or Hannah knows. Hannah's been there. It's 11 o'clock and you're still praying. I've got to get some sleep. So get in a group. Lastly, get real with someone get real with someone, just be, like you cannot heal up, overcome some stuff from the past, some mentalities until you actually are honest from your heart and talk, real talk. I'm not saying you go to anyone, just anyone off the street or anyone in here. I'm I'm saying you find the right fit, someone you trust, confidentially to talk some things through, but you have to start getting real if you want to fight the drift. That might be, if you're in a relationship, getting real with that person if you're in a marriage, getting real with that person. But until you start to get real, things will not begin to change. See, God is building his church stone by stone. He is the cornerstone, but we are the stones which build the house. That's the way God has called us to build. This is the way God has planned to build his church. And so there's three things. This is the last one. So everybody needs God, everybody needs somebody, and watch this, somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. I'm going to finish right here in this story, David and Goliath, and this is as Hannah comes up on the keys. This is, I had never seen this before in this story because we always focus about how mad it is that David was able to kill Goliath, who... It was just an unlikely situation. It shouldn't have happened with a stone, with five stones. But watch, David's in the field. He's not in the army. He's just providing them, I think, with food. He's just serving his brothers and, and the chiefs of the army who are supposed to be the strong soldiers to protect his community. He's minding his business, staying in his lane until he realizes there's a problem. Watch this. That's not his. You see, the giant that David fought was not his giant. It was the giant that was coming against his community and his people. He fought his giants. There were lions and there were bears. And he had used stones to fight those giants to protect his flock. And in doing so, In fighting his personal battles, it prepared him to fight someone else's. And so he came into a situation where he fought for someone else, for other people outside of his story and his place. And that's the story that we learned about. And here's the reality, that story is for you too. There's some things you're dealing with personally and God wants to redeem them to restore you in those situations, but then he wants to use you to restore others, to protect others, to save others, to see others come to life in Christ. And so you're not just fighting for yourself any longer when you're fighting the birds and you're fighting the lions in your life. You're fighting for the people, your community, your families, your gen- the generations that will come down your family lineage. That's what you're fighting for like David fought and he broke, he broke through and it's never been the same and his community went forward. Every painful experience in your life becomes a stone in your hand that God will use if you let him, if you're real with him, if you get connected to his people and become a stone in his church, God will use it to build something that is beautiful that will change people's lives forever. So don't let your hurt, whether it be church hurt, whether it be relational hurt, hurt from school, depression, addiction, shame, guilt, don't let that stop you from picking up your stone. Don't let that stop you from leaning on the cross. Don't let that stop you from moving forward. But listen, everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody. And somebody needs you. And that's God's plan for His church. It's full of people's redemptive stories, stones that come together. That's what builds the house. That's when the church begins to take ground. Not when just someone preaches good or we have good worship. That's not the church taking ground. It's when we have worshipers. We have people that lay their lives at his feet. When they start to get real with God and get real with people, God begins to heal. God begins to make people whole. God begins to bring a story and a stone that you lay down at his feet and people get protected. People get set free and the church moves forward. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Aria Church podcast.